Hey guys, welcome back to the This Week in Deeper podcast. And in this week, we are continuing in a series that we started last week. Um, I want to let you know, though, before we just really dive into the bulk of this message, what this whole podcast is all about. Well, one of our pillars in Deeper is the Bible is our source. And that's a, that's a pillar that we take very seriously. It's not just words that we put on a website or a wall because they look good. It's truly the heartbeat of our youth ministry. I definitely, as the youth pastor here, and and I can speak for our leaders, we don't want to get up on our platform and just talk about things that are getting on our nerves or things that we just wish were different. No, we teach the Bible. Now, there's a lot of things that can be taught through our daily experiences, but we would be failing if we didn't come back to Scripture, if we didn't let Scripture dictate how we taught. And so that's our goal in this whole youth group. We want to teach your students the Bible. And this this podcast is really just another way to connect, connect with our students, connect with our parents, and to connect with anyone who wants to listen and follow along to what we're talking about in Deeper. And so let's get back to On the Mountain. So last week, like I said, we opened a brand new series taking a closer look at one of Jesus's most well-known teachings. It's often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. In this series, we're taking a closer look at some of the topics that Jesus taught about on that day uh, on that mountain in northern Israel. Now, let's remember that the sermon occurred up on the mountain, and in Jesus' time, they didn't have cars or trucks. His followers were on foot. Climbing that mountain was likely no easy task, but the reward for reaching the summit was an intimate experience with the Son of God. Jesus taught love, grace, and hope in the midst of condemnation and judgment. Jesus was consistent with his mission. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, He was sent into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. So in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Jesus addressed perhaps the most controversial topic that surrounded his entire ministry. Why was Jesus here? And what was his relationship to what we have now come to know as the Old Testament? The religious leaders of the day, including the Pharisees, were experts of Jewish law and tradition. They considered Jesus as a rival to their system and failed to realize that Jesus was the fulfillment of their faith. The reason they missed Jesus is because Jesus wasn't anything like what they were expecting. They wanted a king. They wanted a leader who would conquer their enemies and elevate the nation of Israel to world domination. Now, Jesus saw things from a completely different perspective. Jesus saw things from a heavenly perspective. While the greatest religious leaders failed to do so, they were thinking worldly. So my question to you right now is, are your priorities on worldly things or on heavenly things? It's easy to get frustrated by things that are going on around you. It's easy to develop a hatred for your enemies. It's easy to fall into depression because your plans aren't working out. It's easy to give up on your goals and to lose hope. But I want to challenge your thinking here and just ask you one simple question. Are your worldly thoughts overshadowing a heavenly viewpoint? In order to answer this question, you've got to make sure that you understand what a heavenly viewpoint is. It's the understanding that Paul is referring to in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 that says, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, this passage does not mean that only good things happen to those who believe in him. It means that the things that happen on this earth happen for a reason, and it should make us closer to God. 
But let's take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 18 for a little better context. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, Paul isn't saying that your present suffering isn't legitimate. He is saying that the future glory far outweighs that suffering. He's also saying that our present suffering is temporary, but God's glory is eternal. Now, we could spend the rest of this podcast dissecting Romans chapter 8. But in a nutshell, Paul is teaching us that God's redemptive plan is Jesus returning for his children, you and I. And the things that bring us trouble in this world will pale in comparison to the glory that awaits us. So you might be asking, what does this have to do with Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20 in the Sermon on the Mount? Everything. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We're learning that the heart of the message that Jesus is teaching on the mountain revolves around the fact that the righteousness of the religious leaders was insufficient for salvation. Jesus' next nine points is a categorical rejection of the practices and teachings of the Pharisees and other religious leaders. So why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because true righteousness goes deeper than religion realizes. Jesus said, you have heard it said that the people you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is saying it's not that you murdered someone. It's that you possessed the thought that led to murder that causes you to be unrighteousness. It's the thought that causes you to be unrighteous. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, it's not that you didn't act on lustful and sinful desires. The fact that you thought about it makes you guilty of adultery. Six times Jesus says something to the effect of, You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. See, religious teachers had incorrectly defined and were teaching others how to make themselves right before God. But Jesus, on the other hand, taught that the lines for righteousness were incorrect and unattainable by following religious laws. The disciples on the mountain that day were probably thinking the same thing that you are thinking right now. I could never live up to these standards, which is exactly the point that Jesus is drawing. You can't live up to God's standards for righteousness, which is why he threw you a lifeline in the form of Jesus, his son. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10 through 10 say, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. 
And then Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So now what? Break yourself before Jesus, and He will forgive your sins, and you will be justified through God, your Heavenly Father. Your righteousness is a joke. You are a sinful person in the sight of what is truly righteousness in the sight of God. The prophet Isaiah probably said it best in Isaiah 64 verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Guys, this message is not meant to beat you up. It's intended to break you down, to show you that the only way to live for God is to live for Jesus. And the only way to live for Jesus is to confess our sins to Him and receive His grace. It is by the grace of God, through His Son Jesus, that we are saved. So how do we live for Jesus? Well, it starts by confessing our sins. Make it a priority to pray, to read your Bible, to submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and to build your relationship with Jesus. But it starts by confessing your sins, saying that I am not righteous. I am a sinner, but it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are justified through our Father. It's Jesus who is basically acting as our big brother, who came to this earth, who died for our sins, so that we could be justified before God. See, Jesus lived perfectly the law. He, he came, He lived the, the law to, to, to perfection. And it's because of Jesus that we can be justified, even though we haven't lived the law to perfection, even though our righteousness is like filthy rags. Our religion falls far short of the standards of holiness for God. But Jesus lived his perfect, sinless life. And it's because of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. So what do you do when you mess up, when you fall short? Confess your sins. Let me tell you, you will fall short. Confess your sins and get back on the path because you are forgiven and you are loved by God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the listener of this podcast today. God, I pray, Lord, over their life, Father. And God, I pray, Father, that as we submit to you, God, as we pour out our heart before you, as we confess our sins to you, God, the shame of those sins, Lord. God, you took that shame and you took the penalty of those sins on the cross, God, and, and you've given us a free gift of life and salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. We receive that gift today, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope it's beneficial to your walk with Christ. I hope it helps you uh, understand maybe a little better some of the, the more complex and maybe complicated parts of Scripture. That's, that's the goal. You know, we teach, uh, we teach the Bible for a reason. Sometimes it's not always easy to understand, but it is, it is written for us. It is a love letter from our God to us. It is a lifeline. And so I pray that, it's a, I pray that this teaching is beneficial to you. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day, and we will see you next time. Thank you.